Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 4th of February 2024. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at the wisdom of Proverbs and he looked at diligence. The reading is Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and chapter 12 verse 24. So we'll go and join Tommy as he's introducing the service. Hello. Um, So this Friday we've got the Portrait Artist of the Year evening event. Very exciting. Um, It's going to be just socialising, just hanging out and getting to know each other a bit better with the added plus of there being (laughs) portraits and drawings, um, portraits and drawings to to be getting on with, which will be really, really fun. And there'll be... um, There'll be a a reward at the end for the best drawing. We might do different categories like funniest drawing, hey-ho. But it'll be, it's just a fun casual night. Um, We'll just get to know each other a bit, have a bit of a social time, a bit of food. It's 7 p.m. Friday in the hall. Uh, If you could bring two pounds just to cover costs of food and getting like the materials and and stuff for drawing and whatnot. So, yeah. Sign up. Please sign up with the board at the back. There's a little sign-up sheet. Uh, well, there you go. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I, the last night at the, the TN, the Fast Artist Social at the Skittles, I managed a, a very respectable last place. Um, <laughs> and I suspect much will happen with my drawing. But hey, let's come along. Let's just have some fun together. Secondly, regards to next weekend, just to let you know, on Saturday morning, we have the men's breakfast. Now, I know there might be men here that don't normally come to the breakfast. Can I encourage you to come along if you're able? Uh, two reasons. Firstly, the food is always corking. Secondly, the number of bits of bacon you have at men's breakfast stays within men's breakfast. So... <laughs> But there's, there's kind of an incentive that way around, us, I guess, as well. Uh, and lastly, but not least, uh, the, the Nigel Manges, our, our regional minister, is coming to speak at that breakfast. Now, he's not going to be speaking about much about uh, being Baptist or anything like that. Um, if you want to ask him a question, I know he'd welcome that. But what Nigel used to be was the chaplain to Sheffield United. And so he's going to come and talk about sport and faith and his time at Sheffield United. I will be reminding him, and I did tell him I would do this, of two weeks ago when Brighton thrashed Sheffield United 5-2. So just to let you know, if you want to hear this banter between the minister, your minister and your regional minister, please come along on Saturday. It's 8 o'clock for coffee um, and 8.30 for the breakfast, but we do need to know numbers. So if you could let myself or Jason, who's going to do the cooking, hi Jason, uh, know later on or indeed write an email to us or to Jeff by Wednesday that would be brilliant and we would be able to get those numbers together you'll be really welcome to come and share a breakfast with us in terms of the cost um, we normally would ask you for a fiver for your breakfast and any monies in our men's breakfast pot at the end of the year tend to go to a mission somewhere so not only will you be getting a good breakfast but you'll also be contributing to the Lord's work and then there are some people who have birthdays. How about this? Pete, I know we missed it. And, and Hi, Pete. And just to ask you, could you give, uh, could you give Pauline our love, in case you weren't aware, Pauline's broken her arm. And, and I just ask you to hold Pauline in prayer. By the by, Peter, Pete, you have one of those birthdays with a zero in it. Is that right, my friend? Now, with ladies, I try to underestimate, okay? With gents, I tend to go the other way. So happy 90th birthday, Pete. <laughs> And, and that might give you some indication. Happy birthday, my friend. Uh, and it will be, and Marjorie, wherever Marjorie is, tried to trick us by let, not letting us know her birthday was yesterday. Too bad, we found out. Um, is there anybody else with a birthday around here? Oh, I know, yeah, I know. Ne- next week to answer the person there, is that okay? Because that's, I think someone's got another birthday with a zero in the middle of the week. Have I got that right? Yeah. <laughs> next week then. <laughs> The only reason for doing that is to give us an excuse to wish you happy birthday, Mary, two weeks running. Oh, it's, it's Thursday. This Thursday, yeah. But the nearest Sunday is next. Does that make sense? Unless my maths is off. <laughs> In any case, you should never wish a lady happy 50th birthday till after the... <laughs> let's, just, let's just give grace. These wonderful folk we have within us and the fact that God has blessed them with these amazing lives... Let's just wish him happy birthday.
And last but not least in the notices, if you go to one of our many takeaway shops in Minehead and you end up with some of these, the empty containers, Jason wants some. He said he didn't want too many. And the words he said to me were, I don't want thousands. So I'm assuming hundreds would do. But can you have a word with Jason if you have any of these? Uh, they're just needed for the work we do at the Hope Centre and beyond. So if you have any of those, that would be brilliant. I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know whether you've had a week that's kind of up there or a week that's down there. I don't know whether the week's been full of excitement or a week full of problem. My, my week's been one whereby I've been blessed with being with some people whose week has gone bad. And in the midst of it, I say blessed, because in the midst of it, some of the Psalms have given me such contentment and peace. Friends, I would encourage you to turn to the Psalms and turn, turn into Psalm 131. The last verse says this, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And I would say, Minehead Baptist Church, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And I guess, Sue, if that's true, now is the time to worship. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to stand and we're going to sing together. And we're going to give praise and join with the angels, aren't we? Yeah, and sing praise to Jesus, because that's why we're here. So we're going to stand. We're going to take up your offering during this song. And for those that are visitors, please feel free to let the bag pass you. Um, however, if you'd like to give to the work here, thank you very much. Dear church, as we come to this moment when we share communion as a family with our children, part of what we do, a reality of the family of Christ. This is a charge to each one of us, because one way of singing God's praises is to share in this meal, to acknowledge the provider of the bread and the wine, the symbols of love and truth. So actually, we're going to enter our time of communion by simply and just with our voices singing the praises of our God. To say to him, we acknowledge the author of this meal. We acknowledge the one that came and died and rose again. We acknowledge the cost. We acknowledge the love. Dear church, I invite you to sing with me as we come to this time of shared family communion. I will sing your praises So we come to this table to remember Jesus, to remember that he is our rock and everything that we do is built on him, our sure foundation. This is a simple meal that Jesus has given to us, but a covenant, a promise to all who love him. So dear church, I invite you to come as you will, to stand, to sit, to kneel, to bow, to lie before the one who paid the price for you. This morning we come as a family. In one sense we all come as children of God to remember all who love the Lord and everyone who loves the Lord is welcome to share bread and wine here this morning. For our children, you, are too, you too are welcome but please ask your parents about that as well. But we also have some grapes Grapes that we ask our children to take and eat with us. Signs that the grape will become the wine of the kingdom. And our prayer is that they will know the Lord and love him one day. So friends, I simply invite you to come. 
Let us pray. Come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you, gave himself for you. Come and meet with the risen Christ. Dear church, this morning I invite you to come because we are in his body. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, can I invite you to sit? Tommy is going to come up and share this with me. Do you know, I was reminded of something this morning. If we're, not too caref- if we're not careful, this can become a comfortable meal. But it's never meant to be that. This is a meal that was meant to call the church to action, to stir your heart, to let you know the living Lord loves you. This is a meal, a rebellion. This is a meal that should make us, to use a phrase of earlier, take our comfy slippers off and put our walking boots on. This is a meal of grace. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In scripture, Paul reminds us of this supper when he says in 1 Corinthians 4, I give to you what I received from the Lord, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink your cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until you come again. Friends, this is a meal of revolution, for in it, as we drink and eat, we proclaim to this gathering today, to Minehead and to the world, that our Lord will come again. That this is a meal of revolution that changes everything. Before we distribute the bread and the wine, I'd love to pray that it would transform and change us. But that is a dangerous prayer. Because if you add your arm into it, then what you're about to do next will be the most dangerous thing you could do this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this amazing meal that we share. But I pray, Lord, that it won't just be comfortable for me, but challenge me. That it won't just be another time of communion shared, Lord. But today, this will be revolution and revelation. And Lord, in sharing this bread and this wine, I give you permission to move in my life by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. To transform. To speak. To have your way with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Could I invite all of those that are going to share communion amongst us to come forward? Lorraine, can you do me a favour? Can you come, um, Millie's had to take a call. Can you come and just uh, share the wine and the, the bread for us? This is the bread. My body which is for you. As you receive the bread, please eat, remembering him and remembering your prayer.
And so we have a covenant that's as 2,000 years old, and yet this morning it is also new. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you do this, drink in memory of me. And so I invite you to hold on to your cup and we drink together in memory of the one that made this covenant new this morning. Drink and remember his blood was shed for you and be thankful. And so friends, as family together, the Lord's family, I say drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Amen. Friends, it is round this table that we meet as family, and it was our amazing privilege at a recent church meeting to welcome some folk into church membership, and a couple of months ago to welcome two other folk. Unfortunately, Kevin and Marjorie have had to go home because... I'm not feeling too good, but we're going to welcome Eva into membership this morning. And Tommy is going to offer you, Eva, the hand of the fellowship of this church and pray for you. So can I invite you to come forward so we can do that? Is that okay? You didn't know I was, I, you did know I was going to do that. Sorry. pray for Eva. Mm. Heavenly Father, we, we want your blessing to pour over Eva. We want her to feel part of this community, part of this family. Lord, would, she, would Eva be a blessing to us and us to her, and would we all be a blessing to you? We pray for her sense of belonging, her sense of family to be found here. And that we would all serve and come alongside her to help her grow in her relationship with you. Thank you for either. Bless her and be a blessing through her. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we say, your death, O Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection, we confess. Your final coming, we await. Glory be to you, the provider of our feast, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you, friends. It's always good to welcome new friends amongst us. And talking of new friends, we're going to say goodbye now to some amazing people. Well, from this part of the service anyway, as our children lead for fast starters. So if, if you're one of Tommy's crew, can I call it Tommy's crew? <laughs> Is that, is that the right phrase? You, you get my drift. If you're one of those or you're helping with that, we would love you to follow him. And while they do so, let's bless them on their way in prayer. Father, we thank you for this amazing group of young people, for their liveliness and their life, for their talents and their gifts. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for the potential that is within them, that they may follow you, may come to know you and love you, as their Lord and Saviour. And within them, Lord, may there be such potential that the Lord's name may be known and God's kingdom may flow and come here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you, friends. It's really good, Sue, to have these amazing folk among us. I see that you're, you're, you're standing there, Bible in hand. You're, you're, you're poised, is that right, to read the word of the Lord. Let's, let's hear God's word, Sue. Oh, sorry, I got it wrong, didn't I? I do apologise. It's because I had something in my mind. I'm so sorry. Friends, uh, we're going to come, before we do that, we are rightly going to come before the Lord in prayer with our prayers of intercession. And I'm sure you, like me, have been aware of that accident that happened on the A39 on Wednesday, kind of shocked and saddened. Shocked and saddened in many different ways. 
because of the age of the young girl that died, because of the connections with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the town, in church, because in many ways you could see such hope as we said about our young people and we asked the question, why? It is surely that right that we recognise that in that moment several lives were changed forever. And therefore, right and proper, that for our prayers of intercession today, we simply come and we give time and space and we pray. Remembering Annie's family and friends. Remembering our friends at the Methodist Church. Remembering the community of Porlock. And right that I ask you, dear church, to join with me in prayer. We're going to simply pray with a simple response to the words... Lord, in your mercy, I simply ask you to, hit, to say, hear our prayer. Because I know everyone in that situation needs the mercy of the Lord at this time, maybe like they've never known before. Can I invite you to pray with me? Father, we understand and acknowledge our own sense of why. And as we do so, We acknowledge for Annie's mum and dad, for her brothers and sisters, that why question is even the greater. We cannot say we know why, Lord, but we take heart and solace in the words of the psalm, Psalm 46, that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, he will not fear, though the earth should change, Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble. We have a God that is refuge and strength in trouble and help at this moment. And that's our prayer for all of the family and friends of Annie, that in this moment of grief and pain and loss, Our God will be their hope, their refuge, and their strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who knew Annie, for her friends, for the school she attended, and the school attended by her brothers and sisters. We pray for those that in the coming days, weeks, months, years, would surround her siblings and her friends, for those who support and care. We simply pray, Lord, that you would be in the midst of all of their thoughts, their words, their actions, and that the God that is refuge and strength and a very present help might be with them as they respond to questions in words of comfort, in a hug. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who knew and loved Annie, who knew and loved her mum, those in the Methodist Church this morning. We simply pray that the love of Christ might be shown to a grieving family and a grieving community. And that we pray, Lord, that the church that bears your name, and indeed this church, might be part of the love that is shown. We ask why, and then we ask what can we do. And whilst we do not know the answer to either question, we take heart in the God who is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, that he would use us be part of his healing, his hope, his future in this situation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for the community that's been affected by this tragic death and hold on to the words of of Annie's mum, where she says, have no anger and do not hate. Father, they are words of such profoundness that it takes us a while to take them in. But we pray for the community of Porlock that there would no, be no hang, anger, 
that there would be no hate, but that the love and the grace and the peace and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ would flow through that community and simply love all affected. We take heart in the God who is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Compassionate God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You understand what we are feeling and you're with us in our grief. We pray for all who knew and loved Annie, for the community that knew and loved the family, for the town that knows and loves a minister. We pray you would bind the wounds of sorrow and surround all of us with your love. We bring our prayers to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, friends, for praying with me in the coming days and weeks. Well, let's keep holding them in our prayers because this is a journey that doesn't just take a day, does it? And we all know that. So the persistent prayer of God's people will provide a strength. And I invite you to pray with me in these coming days. Sue, we're going to turn to Scripture. We're going to read um, Proverbs 9, 1 to 6, which has been our theme for the last few weeks. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. And then turn over to chapter 12, and we're reading from verse 24. And it says, uh, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sue. The seven pillars of wisdom. We've been looking at those as a church over the last few weeks. And if you've been following them, then, then you'll remember that these are pillars that Solomon seems to suggest are there in the book of Proverbs. He never actually says, here's the definitive list. And so what we're, gonna, we're looking at is that list, which with a bit of research, I have found within the book that say these are the pillars, I believe, that God has for us as a church within this book of Proverbs. And we come to this one, diligence. We've been and looked at trust and integrity and generosity. This morning we're looking at diligence, and if you know, uh, I've got the uh, program, you, next week we're going to look at apples of gold. And someone said to me, well, what are they? Well, come along and find out is my kind of response, right? But today we're going to look at diligence. Now, according to the dictionary... Diligence means this, earnest and persistent application to an undertaking, steady effort, assiduity. Now, if you're like me, you go, what is assiduity? Okay, so I had to look assiduity up. Assiduity means to have a constant and close attention to what you're doing. There's a word for you Scrabble players for future use. I'm not sure how you might use it, but it's there. That's what it means. Or secondly, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, attentive care and headfulness. Heed, rather, fullness. Do you know, it was uh, Monday morning, and I will never forget the call as long as I live. It was back in the days when I and Lorraine lived in Sussex, and... I was working most of the time, by that time, as a home worker. Uh, 
when I wasn't out and about, that's where you'd find me. And we had a little office at the back of the house. And that's where I was on this Monday morning. Now, my boss gave me a call. And that in itself wasn't unusual. But normally what happened when my boss gave me a call was that we might have a little bit of banter. My boss being one of the bank directors, one of the early female bank directors, as it happens. And she would ring kind of and often say to me, how are you, Paul? This particular Monday morning, she never let me get a word in. She simply said this. She said, drop whatever you're doing tomorrow, cancel it. I want to see you in my office in Liverpool at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Travel up to Liverpool today, stay overnight in a hotel, get to my office by 9, don't be late. And she put the phone down. Now, normally, what would happen is she'd say, how are you, Paul? And if I'm being honest, that was my cue to tell her about church. Church was amazing, Karen, that was her name. Church was amazing. Didn't happen this time. I've got to tell you that on the way up, that journey was quite one of the worst I've ever had. My brain was wandering all over the place. What have I done wrong? Trying to recall something that would mean my boss would call me up on such an urgent matter. Anyway, the day went, I booked into my hotel. I don't remember how, if I slept well or not that night, I can't tell you. But what I do know is that by nine o'clock the following morning, I'm sitting in her office. And without ceremony, she slaps a bit of paper on the table in front of me. And she says, read it and sign it. Because from this moment on, that's a list of things you can't do. Okay. And I read the list, and included within it were lots of different things, but one of them said, for example, you will no longer be able to trade in the shares of the company I was working for. And she said, before I say another word, you have to sign it. Okay, so I signed it thinking, oh, I wonder how long it will take me to get home to tell Lorraine I've been fired. And I signed it, and she said, thank you. I want to tell you uh, that from this moment on, your job is altering. You are now part of the team that's going to look at the sale of the bit of the bank that you work for. Someone's come along and offered us £93 million. And therefore, you've just signed this because if you leak the fact that it's happening to anyone, you can affect the share price of the bank. Got the deal? The next word she said to me, I said, why? And she said, you're going to be part of the team that helps the prospective buyer with their due diligence. It was the first time, in a business sense, I'd come across that word, diligence. And I was really, really taken aback with it. Because I began to work out, realise what it meant. And I began to question something. What I questioned was this. If a business takes so much care in being diligent over buying from another business, why, Paul McCabe, were you not so diligent in your relationship with the Lord. Why, Paul McCabe, is prayer so low down on your list? Why is reading the Bible something you do if you've got time? Why? If spending money on buying a business causes another business to be so diligent, why as Christians aren't we as diligent with our relationship with our Lord? And I started the question. I'm going to share the conclusion that I came to and let you know it changed my life forever. I came to this conclusion, if I wanted to be closer to my God, I had to diligently get to know him. I had to be closer to him than I'd ever been before. He already knew me intimately. The challenge is not, does God know you? It's, does you know, it, it is, do you know God? That was my challenge. And I started to think, how do I know God? And I realised, actually, I sometimes didn't even pay attention, if I'm being honest, but sometimes the way that I got to know God was through the preacher for half an hour on a Sunday. He'd tell me about God the rest of the week, well, what about you? The truth is, it's not as if God needed to read the Bible for me, but I needed to read the Bible To see him. What about you? 
And that's my prayer life. I realised something, that if I neglected speaking to God, to Lorraine rather, as much as I was neglected speaking to God, I was in trouble and my marriage would be in trouble. I needed to speak to God more. And I needed to invite him to speak to me more. To pray to him more. Truthful, heartfelt, moment by moment prayers. My question this morning is, what about you? I believe, friends, there are four areas of life that God is calling us, me and you, to be more diligent in. Firstly, in seeking him. 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 16 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has a value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life that is to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labour and strive. That we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all men and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Friends, that day I took those verses seriously. If you want to know how seriously, well, I and Lorraine at the time were running a house group and uh, took it seriously enough to think, I I need to know more of my Lord so that when we come to the house group, we're able to seek him together. Actually, from that moment on, for the next few years until we left, uh, five actually, until we left and I became a minister, some eight people from our house group went into the ministry. These are dangerous stuff. If you and I truly diligently seek the Lord, we're going to give the enemy a bloody nose. Hallelujah is my response to that. You don't seem so sure. So friends, can I invite you to do something for me? To throw out a lie of the enemy. Being with the Lord is not a chore. That's why I failed before that meeting with my boss of the time. Thank you, Karen. I will never forget it. Because it was a chore. But bluntly, the moment I took the chore off and I saw the blessing, everything changed. It's not a chore. We are not to turn seeking him into a chore. But we mustn't be lazy about it either. Okay, we are called to do this in Scripture. This is a list for you, those of you that make notes. We're called to labour and strive. To strive for the Lord, to seek him. We're called to devote ourselves to him. We're called to not neglect him. We're called to be diligent with him. We're called to give ourselves wholly to him. And we're called to persevere. And incidentally, when you first saw across the room, across the disco, across the bar, across the dance floor, however it was, you first saw the love of your life. That list describes how you are with them. You are diligent with each other. You give yourselves to each other. You persevere with each other. You don't neglect each other. You devote yourselves to each other. And bluntly speaking, it might just be me, but had Lorraine said to me, you can come and see me next Tuesday over the hot coals, I'd have walked over the hot coals, I'd have labour and strived. That's how we are with the love of our life, and that's how we should be with God. These are the words, not of a slacker. Solomon, the words of Solomon in the Song of Songs reminds us that God wants to be pursued like a lover. 
So it should hardly surprise us that that's how he wants us to be. Proverbs 28.16 says this, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. And incidentally, whenever the word sluggard is used in Proverbs, Solomon's referring to someone who's not diligent at all, to someone who's lazy. He's basically saying the lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Or to put it in the words, one, uh, one farmer said when he was asked in the middle of a preach someone pa- was making on this particular passage and asked about diligence, and he said, um, what did he think about the fact that you shouldn't be lazy? His farmer said this. Those of you in the farming community might recognize, acknowledge this. Put it in the words of one father, farmer, he said this. The hardest thing about milking cows is that they never stay milked. Okay, diligence, okay, perseverance, get the drift. Secondly, we're called to seek him in leading. Romans 12, 6 to 8 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, Let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And I want to tell you, it matters not whether you're the minister of the church or your job is elsewhere, stacking the shelves of one of our supermarkets or whatever it is. If God has called you there, do it diligently. It is where God has called you. Remember... (laughs) I told you that my boss at the time used to ring me on Monday mornings where she'd always ask, how are you? And I'd say, church has been brilliant. Incidentally, I'd tell her church had been brilliant even if it wasn't. So I confessed to lying in front of my brothers and sisters in Christ. But you get the drift. Church has been brilliant, Karen. And she'd go, oh, okay, what happened? Oh, now I've got you. And we used to talk about that. Years, a year or so later, and I'll tell you about this meeting later on, she'd say to me, I miss those times. This is a non-Christian who missed hearing about what God was up to. I'd like to tell you that for my time there, I genuinely feel that God called me to that place to be me in that time and called me away when it was right for him to do so. So whatever you're doing, do it diligently to the glory of the Lord. And God will repay. Proverbs 12.24 says this, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. And lest we forget when Solomon wrote these words, slave labor was a real thing. If you didn't pay your debt, you ended up in slavery to another. Diligence is a requirement for effective leadership. And everybody in church leadership, whatever you're doing, should be diligent. Then, with regards to our work, Proverbs 3, 24, rather, 30 to 34, says this. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learnt a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. That's pretty graphic, isn't it? Doesn't hold back, does he? Or to put it another way, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five: The sluggard's craving will be the death of him, because his hands refuse to work. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands... Bring wealth. It's a summary of what Solomon says. Proverbs 13, 4. The sluggard, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I, you could go on forever, but I think you get the picture. But there are those, are there not, who work hard and are not rewarded financially. There are those who don't work at all and seem to be financially well off. But the general rule for most of us is that the harder we work, the more likely we are to get some measure of movement forward. And that works with knowing the Lord too. 
Do you know, if you, this morning, are sitting there saying, I don't know the Lord, I don't feel close to him, can I invite you to do something very profound? Don't wait for him to come close to you, because he's already right beside you. But you draw close to him. And then you'll discover how close to you he really is. I don't remember that journey back from Liverpool, really, but I do remember all the way back, I had a worship CD on. Now, if you know much about Liverpool, back to Sussex, you know that's about five hours and a bit. And the worship CD, I didn't change it, it was on repeat. Um, and the reason it reminded me, this morning reminded me of it, is because the first song on the worship CD that I had in the, uh, the 2005, I think it was, was Come, Now is the Time to Worship, right? And I must have sang that a dozen times, I, not really, but you get my drift, a number of times going home. But by the time I got home, I thought, no matter what the circumstances, I'm ready to worship you. But it took a bit of diligence. The following day, I remember I got up, and my immediate instinct was to go out and start typing in some emails. And in my brain, I went, no. I will read the word of the Lord. A bit of diligence is what's needed. But as a general rule... Most of us succeed with that harder work in terms of scripture and prayer. Do you know, I love this story. And, and it just speaks to me of, of what work can be like. There is a, it's a true story. There was a retired man and he had some hands on his time. And he was interested because near to where he bought his retirement home, there was a shopping mall going up. And he bought his retirement home and it was like the beautiful panoramic views. And then all of a sudden... There was planning permission for the shopping mall. So we got really interested in in seeing what was happening, the construction that was going on. And as it happens, although it may not seem it from what I've just told you, he liked what he saw. In particular, he got really fascinated by this conscientious operator of this huge crane. And so days would come, he'd go for a walk, he'd stop and tarry and watch this chap for 10 or 15 minutes and then he'd walk off. Anyway, one day came, he did that day after day after day after day, and one day came when he recognised the chap that was on, sort of as he walked to the crane, the chap at the bottom of the crane was the operator of the crane. And so he went over to him and he told him how he'd watched him and how he thought what he did was amazing and how it was scrupulous. His, his un, you know, it was sort of brilliant work. He wanted to let him know. As he did so, the guy that was operating the crane stood there astonished and his jaw dropped. And after a while, the operator said to him this, you're not the supervisor? Now, (laughs) get the drift. (laughs) This chap on the crane was working diligently because this is the supervisor. (laughs) Actually, if we do that for our supervisor, shouldn't we be doing it for the Lord? Then, of course, all of that means that, what about our personal relationship with the Lord? Proverbs 19.24 says this, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. And you kind of go, what's that mean? Ally that with this one, Proverbs 12.24, The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions, which is another one you go, what on earth is going on? What it means is this, The Christian that is not the sluggard will crave a relationship with the Lord. And will not only crave it, but they'll do something about it. They'll be diligent with their relationship with God. Remember I told you about that strange phone call and my uh, secretive visit to Liverpool, my conversations with Karen. I'd like, it would be true to say that I got on really well with her. Um, And after signing the paper... After she told me um, what was happening, I I asked her if uh, something was wrong. Because she was a very lively person, but this particular morning she sat almost staring down at her feet. And she wasn't normally like that. I can remember that moment because not only was she lowered her head as she said this, but she said this. It's like this, Paul. If the cell goes through, you're out of a job. She would later tell you, 
if you could get hold of her, that the response I gave to her stunned her as she said, as I said this to her. And I don't know where it came from. It was just my immediate response, okay? So I'm not saying I was theologically brilliant. Please don't get me wrong. But this was my response. Uh, No worries. God's got it under his control. Everything will be to his glory, you'll see. Okay? And she, (laughs) I told her that, that this is fine. Don't worry about it, Karen. And I kind of did it for her. Does that make sense? There wasn't any deep theological thinking, I don't think. And I also told her that from that moment on, I would do my very best in my new role, even though I knew if I succeeded, I'd be talking myself out of a job. It was about a year later, I guess about that, that when there was an official announcement in the city, um, and as you have to do with this with a PLC company, the announcement was made in the city before the stock exchange opens so that actually your share price could then adjust accordingly. Okay, you got that bit of wonderful financial um, propriety. But there was an event with the press present and all these people, some of whom were on the news. I was quite touched, actually. That... Anyway, but they were all there, and, and, and I, I was talking to her at, at the, the coffee at about 7.30 in the morning before the announcement was made at quarter to eight before the stock exchange opened at eight o'clock. And at that time... I'd actually wasn't working for her. Because what had happened was, the company that bought the business saw how I was working, and their words, we like the fact you work diligently, Paul, we're going to offer you a new contract, and I have to tell you, with a healthy pay rise. And I was no longer working for Karen. But it was the moment I reminded her of the conversation in the office. And as we stood there and she said, I can no longer control you, can I? Quote, unquote. I said, remember? I told you it would be all right. Everything to God's glory. This morning, what about you? Are you ready to commit once again to the life that says the pillar of wisdom is diligence? Be diligent in study and prayer and scripture. Be diligent in your relationship with your Lord. Are you? For myself, I want to say this. I want my relationship with God to become closer and stronger this year. But I also want to do something else, which was reminded to me this morning. I want to take the comfortable slippers off and put my walking boots on. We have, dear church, become too comfortable. Let's get the slippers off and the boots on. And therefore, I urge you to respond this morning as we come before him in prayer and worship to ask the question, what about me? I ask of you, what about you? In many ways, what I'd love to be able to do is to line up 80, 90, 100, however many of us there are here, pairs of walking boots and say, go put one on and go walk in. But isn't it true the Lord wants to break that barrier of the wall down. I want my relationship with God to become closer and stronger this year. I simply ask the question, what about you? Amen. Uh, Let's pray, friends, as Sue and the group come back to lead us in some worship. Father God, I thank you. And I genuinely, genuinely, Lord, call out to you this morning. And I pray for my relationship And I pray, Lord, that it will be stronger and closer this year than it's ever been before. And I don't know what you need to do in me to make that happen, Lord, but I do pray you would do in me what's needed so that I would be closer and stronger in my faith than I've ever been before, closer and stronger to you. And I don't ask great things of you, if that's your prayer, dear friend, except that I do say it's got to be your prayer to the Lord. And so therefore, in your heart or with your voice, I invite you in a moment to say amen. Because it's no good my relationship being stronger with the Lord if yours is not. But when mine is and yours is, then the church's is. And the Lord will move us. So for my behalf, Lord, on my behalf, Lord, I say, draw closer. Make me stronger, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, Sue and the group are going to lead us in some worship.
more than we're going to worship for about 15 minutes is that okay hope it is time for you to respond if the lord speaks to you or the lord gives you image or picture please come and find me if you need prayer please come but please respond to the lord that says i want all of you and i want to give you my all sue Did you know that walking on water is easy? Did you know that? All it requires is one thing. A step of faith. I'm going to invite you to do something this morning. Whether you're sitting, standing, kneeling, whatever you're doing. However you are, whatever you do. However you want to do this. Whether you want to do it in your heart and give this to the Lord. That's perfect and fine. Or whether you want to be like me. And say today I must do something that's physical for my Lord. I want to invite you to do something. If you're standing, I want to invite you to go as far back into the seat as you can without knocking the person over. Because what we're going to do in a moment together is take a step of faith and move into the future. And I'm going to do it with you. I want to do it physically. Now, you don't have to follow me, but if this is in your heart, I pray it will be in your heart. But I want to walk on water. And I acknowledge that to do so, my Saviour, who already can walk on water, asks one thing of me, that I take a step of faith. If we can have the words of the chorus up there, the one that took spirit lead me that bit, Stephen, that would be brilliant. Thank you. And I'm going to just read them. And as I do so, for myself, you know that bit where it says, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. That's the bit I'm going to step forward on, and I invite you to do so too. Because in that moment, as I step forward, my faith is made stronger by the Savior. Please don't respond if you don't want to. But if you wish, respond in your heart. Respond with your feet. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. As I step forward, Lord, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith is made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. Lord, in the heart, in the physical, in the mental, in the emotional, in the spiritual, as we have stepped forward this morning onto the unknown waters, I pray, Lord, that we would go water walking with you and your honour will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Do you know, as you do that, do you know the amazing thing about walking on water is Peter stood, 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 Peter stepped forward. It says in scripture he was looking in the eyes of his Lord. <laughs> and hallelujah. As we step forward, may our eyes always be fixed on the one who is water walking. <laughs> We're going to sing of that water. That, that Lord now and that step of faith because as you've done so I want to argue that you will see and have seen the King of Glory Just immediately before Paul spoke, I had a picture which I think confirms the importance of what he said. It was someone standing on the edge of the sea with the sand, the stones, the gravel abrading their feet, and they were in a very uncomfortable position. 
but to step out or stepping out into deeper water that no longer occurred. There were troubles and difficulties, obviously, but the fear and the pain of where they were at the moment ended. I'm going to ask Annette to share them. We're going to sing a couple of songs to finish with. Um, just to say, friends, I do genuinely believe the Lord is saying, and we're going to come back to this in two weeks' time, that we're too comfortable and that he's calling us to do something amazing. But we'll come back to that. I hope that's okay. As Paul was speaking, um, a song from many, many years ago just came into my head. I used to sing it with the, the young people I used to lead, not here but in another church. I want to live on the front line. I want to live on the forefront of what God is doing today. I, I, I want to live on the cutting edge of all that God is doing today. I want my life to be useful. I want my life to be fruitful. And it was, there, there's more. I can't quite remember it, but it's all about standing on that cutting edge and being prepared to fight. And from all that Paul said and God is saying is that, we can only do that if we step forward. We have to step forward and we have to be on that front line. And when we're on that front line, change will happen and it will be to God's glory. Sorry, I was just trying to do two things at once there. We'll come to that word in, in a couple of weeks. Is that okay? Do you know, what we've talked about is something amazing. We have an awesome God. And we're going to sing of that awesome God now. We're not. We're not. I thought we were, but we're not. Okay? Oh, bless you. Sorry? The last one. Sorry, Sue. I mean, you know, what can I say? You can never trust a minister, can you, really? Except to say that both that song, Our God is an Awesome God, and our last song talk about the reality that we cannot do anything without Christ. Lorraine, I'm going to do... Yeah, you, 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 come on. Come on, then. Because, you're, um, as they say, un, unscripted. <laughs> I just feel very prompted sitting down there. Um, we are in a battle, and uh, a month or two ago, God really challenged me, and um, it was quite a, a sort of harsh word to, to take on board, but um, we all know we're in a battle, and um, you know we know Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armour of God, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit that we can wield against the enemy. And um, God very clearly showed me, if we are not in the Word, then we are laying down our sword. We are laying down what he's given us to fight with. And, you know, we know so much that... Um, uh, Jesus in the wilderness in that difficult, difficult time. It was the word of God that he, he argued against the devil. And it was the powerful word that uh, we have the victory in. So let's be a people that know that don't lay, a, lay down our sword, but pick it up and uh, get the walking boots out and, and be that strong army that he desires of us. Okay. We are going to come back to this in two weeks' time, but just to give you a bit of a heads up, really, Scripture reminds us that we're a people of mission, and it reminds us that we're a people of movement, and it reminds us not to get too comfortable. All of that is scriptural. We're going to finish on our last song now. It's one of those songs where we can declare, in Christ alone. And so, Lord, over the whole of Minehead Baptist Church, on everyone that this church family knows and loves, I pray the truth that in Jesus Christ no power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck anyone that is his from his hands. And I pray for all 
But until the Lord calls us home, or until he returns again, that not only will we stand in the love of Jesus Christ, but that we will move in the love of Jesus Christ. Slippers off, walking boots on. May this week be to his glory and his mission. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mainhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.